podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod two six four sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing board we needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector weather. Okay. Ooh. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Really? Oh, nicely really? done. Excellent. Very good. I will. Northern voice, but Very not strong. The, not the usual Northern voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're um, Posh. Posh voice. All right. <laughs> Anyway, Ooh. that was the voice of today's guest. It's Gary Mulcahy. That's that right? That's correct. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, from the Palace for Life Foundation. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Top man. Lovely to have you on. And of course, James Endicott. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. And Excellent. Kevin Day. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, actually. I was just thinking back to a pod not that long ago when uh, there were three younger people on and me. Yeah. And it was a source of some amusement to the younger people. Now there's a pod where you are by far the youngest person yeah. on here. So this is going to be a Jerry Murphy spectacular. <laughs> there's going to be so many references. You can look as blank as you want. <laughs> um, good. Okay. So uh, we've got loads to talk about on this pod. But before we do that, with Gary here, let's talk about the Palace for Life Foundation March, which we'll all be doing October the 13th. Mm-hmm. That's the right date, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and as we've last year, for your donations, we are giving away prizes Ooh. to our listeners. So if you donate £10, you get entered into a draw for some FYP merchandise. Nice. Very nice. If you donate £25, you get into into a draw to be on the FYP Pod Extra. Ooh. Whatever that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kev. Yeah. And if you donate £50, you, you're entered into... A, all right, you can do that at the end. Enter into a draw to be on the full pod. Ooh. <laughs> and if you donate a hundred pounds, you can download one free podcast extra. <laughs> <laughs> if you donate a hundred pounds, you can host the pod, free the pod. Don't do say that because somebody will. <laughs> somebody will. Um, so to donate, go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash fyp podcast. Our listeners were amazing last year. We got two thousand one hundred pounds, which is an amazing effort. Yeah. Let's see if we can do that again. Let's see, let's see if we can better it. Let's see if we can. Yeah, that would be good, it. wouldn't it? Well, we've already had some quite decent donations already, just from last week. So we've already had someone that's done fifty quid. Yeah, wow, that's one that's person in the draw to be on the main pod. Yeah. Um, so, Gary, tell us a little bit about um, where people's donations will go towards for the foundation. Yeah, well, there's various activities. M- my role, because you've obviously had Soye on, I oversee yeah. disability work. So uh, in the last five years, we've really expanded that area. So the listeners might have heard that we've got a power chair football team, mm-hmm. uh, an interesting concept, power chairs and football. So um, this is a 4v4 indoor game. Um, 
and the young people um, push push the ball a bigger ball it's a size nine football okay. around indoor into goals um, ironically I did say young people but it's probably the only sport that is not gender driven or age specific so mm. you can in your four, four have a, a woman aged 56 and a boy aged seven Fantastic. and um it's an exciting sport to watch, hard to manoeuvre the chairs, so that's one area that... Um, and they are very expensive bits of kit, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, the new chair we've just got donated for was £7,500. <laughs> wow. So it's a bit more expensive than a pair of football boots. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great if we could get money towards a couple of them, because, like, uh, we have to provide the chair, really, so it's, a, mm. it's not quite a player's kit when they come up I think we've seen there's been photos of some of the yeah, Palace yeah. players have sort of taken part, in taking part in yeah. 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 Will, Wilf's turned up Julius yeah. Bromley donated a couple of actually course. during his testimonial year well, of course Good man. Um, nicest guy in football so yeah so yeah the players being up Jason Punch I think was, as well had a go in one so um, but it's a way of getting people who probably wouldn't have dreamt that they'd ever be able to take part in sport again yeah. to take part in sport Definitely. again even if it's only four it's just brilliant that four, six, eight people can get to do it yeah, we've got a squad of about 12 to turn 12 up regularly, now, wow, wow. so it's going up. And some of the st- backstories, you know, when you speak to the parents, there's one big Crystal Palace family that, boy, had Tourette's and then severed his spine at the age of 12, uh, Matt, and um, they never thought he'd ever play sport or they'd be able to go and support him. But now, you know, they, they go up and down the country supporting him. We're seeing him win his palace kit and wheelchair and uh, they have a great fun weekends going to watch them amazing and i guess this is kind of the foundation's ethos isn't it it's giving people that might not have opportunities to do this kind of stuff and not just that with education and stuff like that giving people opportunities that they might not not have yeah correct um regardless of the background um or adversity they've been around we'll give put an arm around them and try and support them and give them a second chance um, and across the board, we've we've been able to do that in the five years I've been at Palace, and um, we've got more stories. Got, got some great staff now. We've grown and grown, and we're seeing more and more kids and young people. And you know, there's some good stories coming out early. I think my favourite story when the, the foundation relaunched was the father of the young Down syndrome boy, who spoke about how brilliant it had been for bringing this kid out, giving him confidence. But he, it was almost like a piece of stand-up because he said like the first two games, he said they it didn't matter really which, which direction they were kicking the ball in that it took a couple of games for them to start <laughs> getting all they said but the difference is made it's it's when you meet people you meet the youngsters themselves that die. but Gary how did you get involved because you, you there's quite a few people that aren't from South London backgrounds that are involved with the foundation aren't they so how did you get involved yeah so you can gauge by the accent uh, <laughs> I'm not from South London um, obviously being a scouser you're, you're born and bred of around football and um, I didn't quite make it as a professional I played decent level but at 18 I got me level 2 coaching badge so I always knew if I was going to play I was going to coach and help young people really so spent a, a bit of time coaching around there and then after university 1990 um, you won't remember him but Norman <laughs> Tebbett said get on your bike yeah. Um, yeah. so I got on my bike came south and uh, came to London and got a job in a leisure centre at first and then two years doing that, went to Fulham. So Fulham was my big, big break, set up their foundation in 1992 and then had some great experiences there. 16 years I was there. Wow. Uh, got me A licence in 96, UEFA A licence. So I was coaching at Fulham's academy on top of my community work I was doing. Plus I also uh, managed Fulham ladies and we went pro in 2000, 
2000 when Mohammed Al Fayed decided he wanted to fund it, and then um, also. Uh, you know, developed a deaf football team. That was quite exciting. So, oh. yeah, a deaf guy came up to me and, and basically he was travelling to Luton to play semi-pro and he said sitting in the dressing room where, you know, no one could sign, he just felt isolated and thought, I want to try and set up the first deaf football club. So I helped him set up that in 2003. Um, had 100 deaf young men turn up for the trials ironically uh, a guy turned up, t- turned up with bodyguards and I was a bit confused and phoned up the head of security quickly uh, <laughs> we got someone with bodyguards oh yeah I forgot to tell you that's Mohammed Al-Fayed's son oh wow, wow. He's, he's deaf Karim wow. Wow. so Karim took part and um, we had a good good trial and set up a squad with 40 players so Karim did get in in the end, yeah. had to get in, though, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. His dad did own the club. There was a bit of debate over it. Um, can, I, can I ask the obvious question about deaf football? So, because it's obviously it's shamefully, it's not a concept I've thought about. How do they cope? How do referees get their um, attention? Yeah, well, interestingly, they went into a mainstream league, so obviously there's oh, okay. no deaf-only leagues. There's a deaf cup, oh. but they went into local Kingston District League, and the, the referee had, carries a flag, um, oh, so he waves yeah. a flag um, to show the different decisions um, some of them can lip read as well some of the lads um, but yeah generally you can still adapt um, you know football's more about demonstrations and visuals so mm. they, they could use use their arms and stuff like that to communicate with each other it was the opposition really they struggled a bit with it um, I can imagine it was uh, quite weird just, the opposition, yeah. Yeah. And, and they played at Motor Park again um, being the chairman owning the club, they had the best ground in the league. <laughs> so King of the District players would turn up to Fulham's training ground playing on fantastic, salubrious pitches. So you, you've kind of um, dedicated kind of your time to giving accessibility to people in sport and in football that might not have had that before. Do you think now is kind of the best time ever for people that may not traditionally be able to have played sport to have accessibility to, to take part? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's a great opportunity, you know, equal opportunities, more people uh, are comfortable with who they are, so they do come out. So, um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity now for everyone to be part of Crystal Palace in particular, really, but any any sport. And certainly the Olympics have, have shown that as well, Paralympics. And, and are there, because a lot of people listening to this would think Fulham was a different kind of social, cultural background, if you like, posher, for want of a better word. Would that, would that have been the case? Um in some ways, but um, you know, I was dealing with the fan base that traditionally did live near the ground, but moved out to Surrey and right. bits of uh, Croydon and, and uh, Wimbledon, uh, Wandsworth, that that sort of area. Although that's quite close, but yeah, it's a similar f- sort of fan base to us, to be honest. Although bigger, definitely Palace is a bigger club in terms of the amount of fans. I mean, I. I yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at Fulham, they were averaging gate to 3,000 in Division 3 with yeah, Mickey Adams, Alan Cork. So they struggled a bit. And when Keegan came in, you know, I think he did say that, how are we going to progress the club? And because basically, I think even when he arrived, there was 16,000 there. So we did have, we missed the whole generation of Fulham fans. But Palace is much bigger in terms of generational. You know, it's in the blood, really, in South mm. London. You can come back on, definitely. Yeah. That. And also, <laughs> well, so you've, been, a... you've been an international manager as well, haven't you? That's one bit you've missed out of your CV. Uh, yeah, uh, 16 years at Fulham, I 
decided it was just because I know Ray Livington quite well through my time at Fulham and then Roy just took over uh, in the relegation dogfight and I suppose in a way I did abandon ship I got an opportunity through Jason Roberts uh, the Blackburn striker at the time to set up his foundation in Grenada in the Caribbean so I, I thought long and hard about tough, that. Yeah, uh, it took about two hours. Yeah, um, two hours. Wow! Yeah. I just you had to yourself, make mate. sure my passport was in date. Um, so I hit forty as well. Mm, was it a midlife crisis? Who knows? That's but, not a crisis, um, mate. That's, <laughs> a, that's a one way to get to sunshine. Yeah. So yeah, decided to uh, uproot and, and live in Grenada for four years, which fantastic experience. Told a few of the Palace coaches this morning. You know, what about my journey? And it just, I got, got involved in the culture. So, you know, I, I coached in all parishes and all bits and became a, a, a large fish in a very small pond. So even, I was saying, I, I became a TV co-commentator. Really? Wow. Um, Amazing. But you managed, you ended up managing the national yeah, team. And then, yeah, so um, I was the only A-licensed coach on the island. So um, they wanted to uh, uh, give me a chance. So I became assistant coach with a Grenadian, but he was born in London. Um, so me and Mike Adams took over and did quite well, got to the Gold Cup, which is the equivalent of the Euro. So yeah. only 90,000 people on the island. And then managed to, through my networks, through ex-Fulham colleagues, get a couple of uh, English-based players that suddenly found Grenadian blood <laughs> uh, through their Excellent. Uh, strengthen the squad because not many Grenadians wanted to be in defence that was <laughs> one thing um, so yeah got a good old fashioned English centre half to bolster the team so we did get get there beat um, Trinidad so knocked them out so Jamaica and Grenada got to the wow. CONCACAF wow. Gold Cup in 2011 so wow. you're the Grenadian Gary Neville on Tilly and the Grenadian Roy Hodgson managing the team as well so. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Um, so it was great experience and I was saying to Jim it was the time when Mohammed Bin Haman was trying to become uh, FIFA president and uh, Jack Warner was around and Jack Warner's uh, brother-in-law was our general secretary so I was at and to see quite a bit of, um, we'll say, conflicts of interest <laughs> yeah. going on over those years over there. But uh, great experience. And the, and the players, you know, some of them, are basically Sunday league players are trained twice a week. Wow. But um, we've got great characters and, and loved it over there, really. So I went on holiday last year for the first time and was received with welcome arms so it was it was great great little country I'd, I'd say tell anyone if you want a quiet nice relaxing holiday in the sun go to Grenada definitely there you go doing okay. his bit for the Grenadian tourism board and there was a, a player at Fulham that you coached in the youth team who went on to play for Palace wasn't there yes yes so I've, I've got I've had two opportunities because I also coached at Fulham's Academy when I came back from Grenada because I was looking for work like Scousers do unemployed <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah Mark Hudson uh, was a 15 year old at Fulham wow. um, his dad was a scouser big Everton fan so got Mark through and he got a scholarship in the end and obviously played pro at uh, Fulham and, and came through and had a good career so I'm in, still in touch with him actually he's coaching the under 23s at Huddersfield oh, at the moment there you go he did very well for us so good player so the march is on October 13th Um Quite a lot have signed up, haven't they, this year? Yeah, more than last year, we're up to 120 already, so we wow. had 100 last year. 
Fantastic. Got 120. We're looking to try and double it. So hopefully, if we can get to 200, that would be amazing. Amazing. And people but, can sign up. Is it via the website? Yeah, yeah via which which palaceforlife.org. There you go. And Steve Parrish has signed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got Steve's going to do it. So we did a bit last year. Yeah. Came in at the end about a mile. He did about a mile. Literally, very fresh, wasn't he? At the end, yeah, yeah. Too fresh, actually. To be fair, he did buy the drinks. No, he did. Yeah, he did. We let him off. Where he got the money from, I don't know, but he did. And he did donate some, some did. cash as he well. Did, so he did, he did. Very kind yeah, of him. Yeah. So he's AJ, doing a whole lot now. AJ's doing it. AJ's leading. Yeah. Um, and we've got a couple of other legends. So Eddie McGoldrick's going to do it. Um, oh, Eddie, 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 yeah. Neil Shipley's going to meet Whoa. us halfway. <laughs> 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 I wonder why you're laughing. <laughs> he's, a, he's an athlete. Yeah, um, former athlete. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and there'll be a few more man. announcements, I'm sure, during the week. So, it's really exciting. The club have embraced, I think, after last year's event, which, you know, I, I walked 15 miles with my son in a pram. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. From Wimbledon Common to Kew. Which is hard because he's 25. <laughs> yeah. And there's a coach back this time as well. The club have learned from last year. So is there a coach back? Yeah, because it's yeah. hard for people to make their own way back. Yeah. A lot of people were very... It's a tough walk yeah. to well, lose. Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting next to one of them. Oh, it was because we, yeah. we finished at Trafalgar Square. Yeah. And I was like, I walked to Charing Cross to get the train home. My wife was going to meet me in Catford, just watch Charing Cross. It took me about 25 minutes to walk from Trafalgar Square to Charing Cross Station. I get there and it was all closed. So I had to to walk down to the embankment and get the tube. Oh, it was a nightmare. Anyway. But also for for other Neil Shipley's out there... And people who aren't able to do the whole, they will be the same as that. There will be people who can join for a mile at the end. Yeah. People who are less mobile who can yeah. still yeah. take part. Yeah. And it is a lot of it is kind of the camaraderie and the social side and everyone being together. It was a really nice day. It was, it was a really was nice first fifteen miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the that, first, after that, yeah. the camaraderie wore off I, a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Kevin. The first 15, 16 centimetre miles were great. It was yeah. brilliant, but then it, boy, oh boy, did it get hard. Yeah, well, there was no was, there was no talking to you in the last four miles. No, well, I, was, I, was, I was just muttering to myself, "Why, why, why have I done this to myself?" There it was go. fun. I mean, two days afterwards, it turned into a lot of fun. Two days afterwards, but yeah, yeah. All, in initial, it, all in the name of charity. There yeah, you go, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, if you want to sign up, go to palaceforlife.org. And if you'd like to donate to us, at FYP, go to justgiving.com yeah. forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP podcast. Yeah. And also, I think we should say, Gary would be the first to point out that what Gary's described is the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the foundation actually does and yeah. where the money will be going to. So, yeah. And hopefully between now and then we'll talk more about yeah. different projects and yeah. what it means. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, you know, there are people who can, uh, Stoy was telling us when he came on, Palace fans who have got skills that want to get involved can sign up to, to the foundation and pass on their skills to younger people and, and yeah. stuff like that, which is, I think, another good, another good thing as well, another good way for people to get involved. Speaking of getting involved, Palace got involved in a defeat at the weekend. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, do we have to talk about horrible things? things. It wasn't one of your best, but, <laughs> it wasn't uh, one of best, but we do need to talk about Palace losing on Saturday to Southampton. Um, Kevin, mm. <laughs> you've got five minutes, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, I, it was disappointing, wasn't it? But my question to you, kind of, really quickly, is: yeah. it's another game without Wilf. Obviously, was pulled out late on Friday night, early Saturday morning with a, with an injury from training. Another game that we've not won without Wilf. Is it simply a case of no Wilf, no win? Well, I hope not, because the, the implication is if he gets a serious injury, then we get relegated. It's it's. 
That is a worry, though, isn't it? Look at the stats. It, 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 it is a worry. I, without looking at the actual score lines in each game and how well we played, it's it's quite clear that from what Mark Hughes said afterwards that Southampton were lifted by his absence. It's quite clear that when the rumour out of nowhere about half past one in the pub started spreading that he wasn't... And I still don't know where these rumours come from, but mm. suddenly someone said, oh, Wilf's out and that. The atmosphere in the pub flat, and I think that helped to make the atmosphere to kick off flatter. The fact is that it's like when teams have a bogey team. Psychologically, the more games we go without winning with Wilf, the more players will be sitting there going, we can't win with Wilf. The fact is, any organisation will tell you there's a weakness there's a mental weakness if you rely on one player that simply can't be allowed and what I think what frustrated me most about it is that some of our younger people in our group before the game were saying well we'll have to start with May and we were saying well he, he won't because we're as conservative he'll start he'll put Wan-Bissaka in but he'll start with the same team with yes mm-hmm. but then when the news came out that we'll see it, if it, it even I was thinking, well, he's got to start with Mayer, surely, because Mayer, from what we've seen of him, is potentially as good as Wolf. He's a, and he seems to be like the sort of player who'd be in the dressing room knowing that he's starting, saying, don't worry about Wolf, I'll, I'll win you the game. And then it's just astonishing that our reaction to Wolf not being there was was not to you know, replace him with Schlupp or Mayer, but to play this bizarre 4 4 2. And it was. People accuse me of overreacting afterwards, but it was so bad. At half-time, I almost expected Chris Grierson to go, ah, don't worry, we've raised £10,000 by doing that for the charity for the <laughs> first half. This is where the real team is. But it was like those three or four games this time last season when Roy looked transfixed. He looked unable to do anything. and It just didn't work first half. It do, you clearly... think, do you not think Ayu did okay? I thought actually he put himself about in the first half. He was, well, he was okay. you'd expect, really. But 4-4-2... The last six games of last season, we were playing four three three, and that worked beautifully. And then suddenly we're back to four four two. Southampton are playing four four two, but at least they got a, a, a contrast in their strike. It, it just clearly didn't work in the first half. It, it's clear that Luca's out of sorts. It's clear that Schlupp is a great left back, left wing back, but isn't a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. So it's just astonishing that that wasn't addressed at half time. Roy lost in the second half. The substitutions were too late. You, you just hope that it's. It was such a poor performance. It was a one-off and they get it out of their system. But the Wilf thing, it's when I did talk sport last week, the first question they asked, what happens if Wilf's injured? Yeah. It's like, I, it's, it's, yeah, the only way you can stop it is by winning without him. But you don't want to take the risk of playing without him. It's just, we, I can, mean, we can win without him. We, yeah, we beat Swansea without him. Yeah, well, so it was a very young games, but Swansea team. Well, but still, but, it's, but the thing is as well, it puts so much pressure on Wilf when he comes back in. Absolutely. It's like, because you have... The implication is, and it's like watching uh, Chris Camarius. They're almost implying that when Wilf plays, we win. So we have to point out that we lose quite a yeah. few games. Yeah, we, we did two Wilf, weeks ago. Yeah, yes, when exactly. Wilf play, we do lose games with Wilf, but it puts so much pressure on what's still a young man. It's just it's, it has it's, the last few weeks have certainly ended sort of thrown up more questions than answers. Really, yeah. that Watford game and, and yeah. Southampton. Mm. And the subs, the timing of the subs is certainly sort of bone of contention for a lot of fans. You know, there were there were some boos and stuff, and, or, or, and there well, were ironic cheers when he yeah. made the when he well, made the, the subs finally. Because I think you could just you could see as a fan, you, you're there watching the game, and you could see it's not working, and you know that the one way to sort this out, apart from some tactical reorganisation with the players on the pitch, is actually to make a substitution. Mm-hmm. Not only does it lift the players. And you know, you, we, we've got players who are coming on who are who are new to the club who want to impress, 
And you look at a player like Max Meyer, and he looks like he wants to impress every time, yeah. every time he walks on the pitch. But and it, so you give them, and you give the crowd a lift, which is something we'll get onto, and, and it gives other players a lift. What the whole thing just seems to be, there seems to be a lack of somebody on the pitch who was just grabbing it by, just, oh, you lot, come on, what the heck is going on here? Which is you what know, Wilf has done. Which is what Wilf will does. And it's, we, well, we, 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 we're missing, I think we're really missing. Tompkins at the back, I think, because he's very vocal and he gets the place. We and we're missing a spine. We look at Luca; he's out of sorts. We that that whole spine of the club, the yeah. whole spine of the team. Sorry, yeah. I mean, you know, we got we haven't got a talisman up front who can knock in a goal at any half of opportunity. Unfortunately, Christian Bentek is, you know, it's it's not happening. I'm getting tired of giving me excuses to be honest. And it's just, but it's that, and it, there was nobody, and the whole thing, and the. Crowd weren't there to lift a, lift the team. The the team weren't lifting themselves, and you just get stuck. The, the team gets stuck in this, and they're passing around a bit. There was no right. Come on! As soon as they made the substitutions, there was a little bit of like momentum. Mm-hmm. I know we're one 0 down, but there's a bit of momentum, and it seems to be exciting. First half, AW Wambasaka and Van Arnold barely crossed the halfway line, which is partly due to the tactics. But this time last year, Roy when Roy took over this time last year he was quite rightly saying in the first 7, 8, 9, 10 games who do I bring on mm-hmm. but now yeah. we've got a really good bench and we saw there was no great change of tactics when uh, Kiati and, and Mayer came on but there was more urgency and both of them face forward and, yeah. and their first their first reaction was to take the ball forward and Southampton panicked they were there for the taking and it's like Gary I mean as a coach I mean, we know you're a Liverpool fan but you love Palace obviously we've had listeners can take this as red we've had this conversation <laughs> do you find it hard to watch as a coach are you watching as a coach or can you watch, do you watch as a fan do you get as, do you get as frustrated as as we get or do you try and understand why Roy's making the decisions he's? yeah um, I, I still I watch as a coach now um, yeah. where Keith Millen came in and did some training with our coaches today and he, he was saying he's a Palace fan and he, yeah. he came to, to the game on Saturday yeah, he came to the game on Saturday and he said I wanted I was there to watch as a fan but I couldn't mm-hmm. I watched it and it was tactical and I was looking what was going on off the ball and where the back four were defending from so he finds it hard and I do now really that I end up watching what people are doing off the ball mm-hmm. rather than on it so and then being in Roy's shoes, obviously not to the extent he, he the experience he has, but you you know I've got some empathy with him that we don't know what's happening at the training ground, right. so we don't know Max Meyer's fit. Mm-hmm. You know he, he came to us not playing very, playing very little football, um, so you know I, I would always say and speaking to Fulham f- mates who when Roy first came to the club. They've got nothing but high regard for him, so he is he's setting his ways certainly. And but it seems to be a model that works for clubs at our level. I would well, say, and also it's a model that works for Roy. You'll be setting your ways for a reason after forty years of yeah, coaching yeah. because it's something that's worked works. for you over and over again. Like Gary says, at clubs like us. But Gary, as a coach, when you've got someone as as good and as talismanic as Wilf, you know who embodies everything about being a Palace player, not just in terms of ability but everything coming from South London when that player's missing is it a huge psychological blow for the team and how, you know, how do you deal with that sometimes well uh, well, it obviously is um, you know the stats prove that um, so I think it's about do we have a plan B you know which Roy's obviously working on and like you say it's big pressure on Wilf but he is such a fantastic player 
he epitomises what the club's about, being local, South London and proud. Um, you know, and he, he works so hard while he's on there as well. So it's it's a it's a frustrating time for the fans um, at the moment. So you know, I'm I'm hopeful that the two week break will possibly work in our favour, mm. and Ray and Roy can work with the team and the new signings in particular, get them used to the the way we're set up, and and you might see some changes in in two weeks' time. What was really frustrating. I don't think there's any team in the World Cup playing four four. I mean, all we heard during the summer was that four four two is is gone. It's archaic. No one plays four four two anymore. We had two teams playing four four two on Saturday, but Southampton at least had a had variety in the two strikers. Yeah, they had one slightly less mobile striker, but who still put himself about, and they had another one who was buzzing about all over the yeah. place. And we basically had two two of the same, pretty much, who had never played together before, certainly in that role. And Palace are all about, it's like John Curran always says, JCIS, Palace are all about getting the ball wide, getting the crosses in. Yeah. We had two centre-forwards and, uh, you know, if you're trying to defend them, you could, they, neither of them had a cross to, to get on. In, certainly in the first hour, there wasn't a cross put in. No. Well, well, actually, certainly not that, one with intent, not one that, that was whipped around behind defenders for them to, to yeah. get forward. That, that, that reminds me yeah. of a point, because when the subs did come and Sorloff came on, and we went Sorloff and, sorry, Sirlot and Sirloff. Benteke up top, and Townsend came off. Yeah, and I thought, I thought, oh, okay, we're going to go two big men up top. Well, hang on, why are we taking off the one so guy who can actually get across the ball? And, and, and Townsend, I, th- I yeah. think, is a brilliant player, very consistent with that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but Mayer, as soon as, soon as Mayer spent the last twelve minutes, the fir- his first touch yeah. was going inside and putting a cross in that Benteke arguably could have got a penalty from. And then after that, he was always trying to look to get past the defender. He was always, and also he was bossing people about. He was bossing first, people yeah, for the first really time. Kiati did it as well, but Mayer was pointing to people. Mayer was going, he was demanding the ball. He was telling people to move out of his way and hmm. move across. And for, there was a bit of purpose and a bit of intent. And it's just, I, I, I understand what Gary says about the fitness and and not knowing what goes on. And it might be that they tried four four two in training all week and it'd been brilliant, but yeah. it just looked like Ayu and Benteke were the same were the same player. And then, it's 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 that problem that we used to get we used to moan um about alan pardew about this it's like you know you look at we as fans can see something's going wrong and you want the coaches to do something about it and you just wonder why you wait to the 75th minute to do something about this because we've been seeing for about the 15 20th minute this is not happening Mm. and that's the thing that i think really frustrates fans it's just that complete, just like, why? Just do it, do well, it. There must be a, maybe well, there's, 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 there's a reason for that. Well, there's a reason, but it's just, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. More, more knowledgeable about football will, will yeah, know but that. Too, but the thing is, because Rory got so defensive about that question last year, nobody wants to ask him the question now. Nobody, from, you know, Chris Grierson's not going to say to him, what happened to the subs? Because we know how stroppy Rory got when he got <laughs> asked that question last time. Yeah. And it's what's, what's interesting is that I think the first pod we did, the first pre-season pod, we were all talking about who's going to play where in the midfield and we all thought that MacArthur would probably be the one that stepped down and wouldn't be the first choice. And MacArthur's been our best midfield player in, in all four games without, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt MacArthur's been our best player. Hennessy's, Hennessy kept us in the game on, on Saturday and it's a yeah. shame that our resident lawyer's not... He's on another holiday. Oh, wow, he keeps saying lawyers no, don't wow. get paid enough he's on another wow, holiday but, a lawyer's holiday but Hennessy kept us in he kept us in the game apart from the penalty save, no, he, he, did, he, he kept he us in the game yeah. Wan-Bissaka was, was defensively good but yeah, the goal was the first goal I, I was almost pleased actually that Southampton scored because Southampton's record when they go a goal down is terrible they tend to panic 
They, Mark Hughes has never won at Sellers or something. Never won at Sellers. Southampton, <laughs> yeah. Southampton didn't yeah. win an away game under Mark Hughes' Premier yeah. last season. They only won two away games. Yeah. And it's almost back to that old cliche we used to talk about last season. If, if you're having a bad run away from home, come and play at Sellers Park. Yeah. Because Mark Hughes was talking after about oh, it's a difficult place to come. It's not really. Not if you look at the stats. Well, last yeah. season, you know, last season, it got better. But that's because yeah. we were playing four three three. Just on yeah. on Wayne. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was really a really good game. You, you could potentially question both goals whether he should have been. No, 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 no. You don't think? No, 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 no. No, 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 no I don't. No. The second one, I think, game's no. gone. Possibly at fault first one. Sort of street, comes you out first one. You've been WhatsApp by street. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, he would have no. the first goal, and I'm Gary as a coach will show him. So the first goal, he would have expected one of the centre backs to. Yeah, I mean, it was a sort to of sort that out. Hopeful ball, isn't Basically. it? And also, he's been training with Ben Teke, so he probably didn't expect a mobile centre forward to nip in and, and, <laughs> and nip it in. But on the second goal, if you're being particularly picky, he was trying to be sweeper for the second goal. But yeah, well, the second goal's on the break. The second goal's oh, you, on the break. You don't really count matter, the second goal. You can't really count the second goal. It's like the second goal, yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool game. so distorted that scoreline goal. But the frustrating thing was that even though we hadn't played well, for the last 10 minutes, almost by default, we, we, we still, they were still under siege, Southampton, but still... Apart from the save, that Benteke header. Apart from that save, they didn't have a lot to do defensively. Well, this is what like, kind of makes me. Like, we're only four games in, and I know obviously last yes, season was a bad, was a really, yeah. really bad start. It what makes me feel slightly more confident is if anyone I think can sort things out. They are now. It is Roy. Yeah, he's proven it so yeah, many times in the past. He can do that, and I've never felt more sort of assured and confident with a, with a manager really that things are going to be okay even despite the last two games that have been frustrating I'm still like well we're, we're going to be okay this season because it's, it's right That's the, that was why Saturday was so frustrating because it's one of those rare you know I, 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 I'm looking the glass is half empty it's not only half empty but it's smashed and heading from my face as far as I'm concerned but <laughs> but even I turned up it's, even though it's hot and I was miserable even I thought that's fine we'll, we'll have six points yeah. we'll be mid-table Apart from 15 minutes of Watford, we looked really good. We played well against Liverpool. We were great against Fulham. And then suddenly it comes crashing to a halt. And it's this was the season when we all thought we wouldn't ever have this conversation. We'd have six or nine points mm. now. We'd all be going, great, international break. And suddenly we're 15th. And already I resented the fact that yesterday I was wanting Cardiff to lose. Already. And yeah, no. yeah, yeah, already same, I'm wanting yeah, yeah. Cardiff and Burnley to lose. You think this wasn't meant to happen this way. It's, and, it's, and I don't know whether it's to do with missing Stephen, but that's the really worrying thing is that Roy cut a forlorn figure and we talked last week on the pod about how stroppy, stroppy he'd been with the press the whole Hornet thing the, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of times when he wasn't quite himself and he looked like a forlorn figure and that set slight alarm bells. but of course I, I may have overreacted and said of course I think he's the best manager we've had for a long time and yeah. I hope he is our manager for years to come but yeah. if that doesn't mean you can't say hang on a second that was poor well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? You acknowledge that he's a brilliant manager. Of course, I'll tell you what I like, though, after the game, is that and Roy's very honest in his pressers. He came yeah. out and said, well, yeah, we were poor. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they, yeah. they, they yeah. probably deserved to win. We weren't very good. Yeah. You wouldn't have got that with certain previous managers. No, 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 and that's true. the thing. That's and actually, yeah, yeah. if I can just round off this part by yeah. giving you a suggestion, because Wayne Hart Loveless Hi, has given Hi, us a potential solution here for the substitution problem. He said, can we get someone in the changing room to put Roy's watch forward by 15 minutes? Well, do you know, somebody, Very good. somebody said to me afterwards, and I laughed, somebody said, well, do you know what? Roy is a bit older than most managers. For a lot of his career, you could only have one sub, or, or, or two subs. So mainly, mainly he needs reminding that you don't have to wait for an injury. But, uh, but Gary, obviously, you know, you know, you know, you know Ray well, and, and you know Roy as well. 
if there's any sort of managerial duo that will be able to sort this sort this out or, or, or find a solution to these things, it's those guys. The experience they've got, they must have been in this situation so many times before. Definitely. Uh, well, I don't want to say so many times, <laughs> than, uh, but they've got experience of this, and I think yeah, fans are entitled to opinions. But Roy's, Roy, if anyone can keep us up and get us to uh, you know push on a bit more, I think Roy's the man. Certainly, the backstory is brilliant. But he did it at Fulham, you know. Um, I think I felt like I would be go, uh, Graham Taylor and Rob Shepherd's scene from that famous. Do I not like that? Uh, oh, yeah. Lift yourself, <laughs> yeah, lift yeah, yourself, yeah. Kev, Kev, lift yeah. yourself. <laughs> Only four games in. We've <laughs> got a long season. Roy is the man. I think the fans just yeah. have to trust Ray and Roy. He knows what he's doing. He's experienced. You cannot knock that. And um, what he did with Fulham and West Brom. I think Palace fans would love love to see that. I mean, I, I went to the Europa League final um, to watch Palace. Fulham. Pressure's on, but um, <laughs> Fulham and, uh, you know, that was all down to Roy and his coaching. And, and he he played a rigid 4-4-2 at Fulham. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe that might be coming back. Who knows? You always need someone to change the trend. So... I think the fans have just got to trust Roy. And uh, do you think it's just the fact he hasn't found his best team yet? I mean, with these with the new signings, have not obviously not played that much, hardly at all, and also Wilf being out as well, and just hasn't really found. We've not got a great pen at the centre back yet. That's a little bit. Well, old, when Tomkins isn't, isn't when isn't, Tomkins, uh, you know. So it's. Like, I think maybe. I mean, I know we are only four games in, and I think a lot of the the fans' dissatisfaction. The, the rumblings we had such a terrible start to last season as we all know and this season we started off I mean that first game against Fulham you know was, was great it was just like yes this is this is what this we is want it, yeah, this yeah. Is it. and we and then we played Liverpool and it's just okay we played really well yeah. and then the Watford game and then the, it's just like oh it's just like slowly going down down but do you down, like, you need these wake up calls sometimes don't you oh come on yes we do need a wake up we shouldn't be having after four games a wake up call should we I'd rather it now than after 30 I games I think it gives, it gives Roy and Ray really you know Maya and Keate being got hooked Keate was excellent when he came on it Saturday was, yeah. it was, so and he was doing yeah. what Silsie said on the pod extra a lot which is someone that can actually drive with the ball and go forward with it I think they've given him a lot of options and a lot of questions to answer for the next few games which is yeah. what a manager wants yes well it is but you also do wonder why when you've got Kiati there you've got Maya there as we said the last thing Schlopp is is a central midfield player so why mm-hmm. yeah. but what's what's Roy like on a Monday then after defeat when he comes in with the players presumably he's very calm and very you'd have been round no, you don't know. I'm not, you don't I'm not know. there on a Monday morning. No, no, yeah, the atmosphere but, you know I know, the, I know he works hard on the training field so he'll, him and Ray will Will be and Dave Reddington's part of that now, so he'll be really working hard on the training field, and he's he's very, you know, every every player knows the role within the team, so he's probably just easing those new players in at the moment, making sure they understand the system of play and and uh, their role once they come into it. So they'll be working very hard on the training ground this week, and uh, I've got every confidence in them. Good stuff. We're going Good. to work. Thank you. Hard. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna I'm lifted, I'm lifted. No, yeah, 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 it's that Scouse accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm lifted, I'm fine. I'm like, Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. on that note then, let's move on to part two after this short break where we've got questions from our listeners. <laughs> a 
Hello, and welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 264, I, th- mm. I think it is. Uh, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with Okay. Ooh. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Hey, well remembered. Ooh, he's good. Yeah, very he's good. good. Very good. Uh, that's Gary Mulcahy from the Palace for Life Foundation. Um, and obviously Kevin and Enders are here as well. Mm. Hey, mm, very mm. nice. Fancy. Right, lads. The big talking point at the moment at Palace is the Homestyle Fanatics. Now, we did talk about it last week. Well, I've been techie written on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We'll get to Ben oh, okay, as well. Right. That's on the list. Um, we did talk about, obviously, for anyone that is... Oh, hasn't been away, I guess. The home self fanatics have not disbanded, but they've they're not sitting in Block B this season. They've they've moved away. We hadn't had real reasons from either side for that happening. Yesterday, Palace released a statement about it. Um quite lengthy, where they said in one part, I'm gonna read a little bit, but you can see it on Palace's website. They said the Homestyle Fanatics felt the plan should be to move supporters in the middle to Block E along to make space for them and reshuffle the entire stand around in order to create a central area for the group. Now, the HF, who have been very quiet on this so far, Mm. have sent us at FYP a statement just before this pod started um, where they basically dispute that um, and say that they were promised this twice, this move. And in particular, one paragraph says the group was intending to stay quiet about the issues for the good of the football club and therefore disappointed the board have decided to conduct what they feel should be a private internal mm. issue. The HF feels aspects of the statement are misleading. For example, those in Block E know that there was no official consultation regarding this proposal, which immediately cast doubt on the rest of the club's statement. Now, it kind of leaves the rest of us... It's almost a bit like kind of when mum and dad are fighting and the only people that lose out are kind of the kids because it means there's no atmosphere at Palace. And against Southampton on the weekend, it was very, very flat. What? And it sounds like Kevin really almost, there's kind of possibly been errors on both sides, maybe. I don't know if, maybe not I errors, but... The atmosphere was, it was flat, but it wasn't non-existent. <coughs> it certainly wasn't as good as it has been in the past. It wasn't, but I think that's partly to do with the Wolf situation and partly to do with the fact that we played very badly for... Yeah. I think this is going to be quite a lengthy answer, if you don't... But yeah. I, I mean, the, first of all, the one group of fans that shouldn't be getting any criticism at all are the people who refuse to move from behind the goal. The people who have... Well, it sounds like who, they haven't been asked. Well, that's part of the problem because it's, it's very difficult. I like Steve Parrish, personally, and I love what he's done for the club. I think the HF have been brilliant in raising the profile of the club and providing an atmosphere. So it's all, it's very difficult to have this discussion without yeah. one of them yeah. thinking that we're criticising the other. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's a very palace thing to be talking about 100 people moving seats. The people, I think both sets, I think both the HF and the club underestimated the quiet loyalty of the people who have sat in that their seats for 20 years, some of whom we know, some of whom have been there since the, the, that stand was built some of whom have seen their kids grow up in there and, and quite rightly see no reason mm-hmm. why they should move. There are two questions I would ask, and again, because the statements are conflicting, I don't want anyone to think that I'm having a go either. First of all, surely when it was first raised, the club should have said, and they may have done, I'm guessing they didn't because of the statements, the club should have said, this is a really good idea, we should move you behind the goal, but logistically, this is going to take some time. Yeah. Uh, we can't just sho- shove these people out and move you in. Give us a couple of seasons, we'll see what we can do incentivising the people behind the goal to move somewhere else. 
we've got the new stand coming bear that in mind safe standing could be an issue so but it it will take a while and in the meantime you stay where you are don't tell anyone but we'll knock 10 percent off your ticket price and as, as a thank you for what you've done blah 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 and you think that's what they should have done according to the hf what they said was yeah great we'll move them out you move in the second thing which i really don't understand is why again without knowing what the club have actually said to the hf it's impossible to know but their reaction to me doesn't seem to be the reaction of, of palace fans it's like you 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 would hope that they would say all right fair enough let's see if we can make it work but in the meantime we'll carry on doing what we're doing where we are to, to suddenly say all right, if we can't sit there, we're not sitting anywhere. It just seems to me to be not the reaction of, uh, of Palace fans. So it's clear the story's different from both sides and it's yeah. clear there's been a communication problem mm-hmm. and it's clear that no one's right or, or wrong. Well, this is but the it's, thing. It's very it, difficult to kind of critique when, it, it, when not it, one it, side is really in the it wrong. It is, and we do, we do miss them, but it's, you know, their own common sense should have told them that it wouldn't be as simple as moving over there mm-hmm. but if they claim that Steve Parry said it would be as simple as that oh, yeah, exactly. then they've got a right to be aggrieved but it's it's very difficult for the rest of us without knowing yeah. seeing the email I mean I, I think the one thing that struck me from the, the club statement was that we probably are the only club that would take their request that seriously uh, yeah. and I think they should take refuge in that and we do there's no doubt that we miss them and there's no doubt that we've got in the past few seasons some amazing publicity from it some amazing PR and it's no doubt that certainly in evening games the atmosphere has been incredible because of them I think we we've, we definitely missed them in the Liverpool game of course we did you yeah. missed that visual the, I think the players look to that yeah to yeah, that visual that, yeah. that visual focus that you, when they're coming on um, I, I think the atmosphere will eventually re- return to how it would be and I think there will be I'd be amazed if at some stage in the season we didn't find them back yeah. where they used to be and but I think all Palace fans would be hoping that a solution can be met and, course, and we sure. can kind of go back to the way it was because just on, on, on that point I, I just I picked out another bit from the EHF statement which says uh, this was twice agreed by the club and the EHF had submitted proposals to ensure it was inclusive to all fans with yep. long term supporters being looked at first it was never intended to simply swap HF members for exi- existing okay. blocky yeah. season ticket holders and would have been open for all fans. So clearly they weren't kind of saying like, well, everyone else bugger off, we're going to take... But obviously this is a logistically really difficult well, thing to do. Also, so well, also they, they, I'm sure by their own admission, they, part of the reason they exist is they can be quite intimidating. So if, you've, you know, if you're sitting behind a goal with your kids and suddenly you're surrounded by these... the, the energy and passion of the HF. Yeah. But still... It's they're on their feet all the or time. Or, for example, so if you sat towards the back and you don't you don't understand it, blocky, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. obviously there'll be standing but, issues and stuff. And yeah, but but again, the difficulty is that the the, the two statements are contradictory. And, and yeah. the one thing we the one thing I don't want to do because I can't be asked reading the tweets. To be perfectly honest, I'm too old to get angry tweets. Is I, I don't particularly want to take sides in this because yeah. in an ideal world, yes, they would be behind the goal and nobody would be upset. But it's not an ideal world and. Yeah. I think the first priority should be to the fans who didn't want to move, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, I mean, on, on social media, there's been a lot of fans from Blocky saying, I would happily move. Yeah, there's and there's been a lot of fans would... saying, I'd, I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah. For example, Lalitha Pursuit has said, stop oh, slating Blocky. It's not our fault. The HF didn't yeah, get yeah. what they wanted. Um, but there's been a lot of people saying, actually, you know, I would, I would happily move. The thing is, Enders, mm-hmm. we said on previous pods, the atmosphere in Block B 
had been there, you know, before the HF started doing their thing. We, we remember back in the day. Yes, but, of course. Yeah, I mean, but, I, we've all been down at Powers before the HF and there's been some amazing nights. We I always just, rely on them now I to think, start the I think, I think, I think we as supporters of the club who don't sit around there, I think we've got to look at ourselves. I think we've all got to look at ourselves. Not in a, not in a negative way. And I'm not to say, you know, we shifted the blame to ourselves, but I think we need to look at ourselves. We have become too reliant on it. I think we have as a club become reliant on them. Um, now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is debatable, but I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that they're there, they were there. I think it encouraged everybody else to sing and dance and all that. And I think we have become reliant on them. I think we need to look at ourselves, and they're, they're not there at the moment. And we know how much the fans um, get, the, get the team going and how yeah. much they can influence a game. We, yeah. we've, we've all seen We've it. had players come on this pod. We've we've had, we have players come on there and we've all been in the ground where we've seen the fans get behind a team yeah. and it changes the, the course of the game. We as fans owe it to the club that we support and love to get behind our team. And we can't sit there going, oh, it was a lot better when the HF were there. At the moment, the HF are not there. Let's hope they can, the club and the HF can resolve it. They can sit around a table with considering ACAS or whoever they're going to sit around the table with and they can get it sorted out in the meantime we as fans going to just just let them get on with it yeah. let's not get into big petty squabbles because we don't know nobody knows uh, what yeah. is really going on nobody knows we've all got this we don't know our first thought should be towards the club and the players and we're going for a little bit of a tricky time at the moment on the pitch we as a fan me you all of us around this table and all the people listening can make a difference yeah. now if, there's, if that doesn't include a, a bunch of people wearing black with a flag then it doesn't but that doesn't, you know. Let's just do it. I think that's that. That's what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, I'm getting out of this. So I, 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 I need to sing more. I need to get behind my club more. I can't rely on those guys in the corner because they're not also, there. The thing is, Jay, yeah, and we're, we're we're human beings. At the end of the day, uh, uh, you could have had a thousand people in the HF an hour into that game on Saturday, mm. and they'd have been quiet. Uh, and they would have been quiet. Yeah, because, because it was a terrible you, game. Because so, yeah. sometimes, and we've said this to players, you you have to respond to what's happening on the. On, on the, the pitch, pitch. And yes, in, in the also, last 15 minutes there was a, a, a cacophony of noise and it was a cacophony of noise because yeah. the players were doing yeah, yeah exactly yeah, so, so, so it, it's, 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 it is a two way thing yeah. and you know when, when Wilf is running down that wing and doing all his tricks the, the crowd go mad yeah, yeah. you know so, yeah, you, you, right, you right. miss them visually as, more, as much as anything else with the yeah. brilliant displays and the flags and the banners yeah. Yeah. but also I'd say having been at both away games because the away fans are different the atmosphere there mm. there's no shortage of atmosphere at the away games and even when yeah. we went 2-0 down against Watford the fans were getting behind yeah, them so yeah. it's, it's it's the nature of the home fans versus away fans and the nature is that there was a lot of noise in the half away at the start of the, the, of the game but only in pockets because some of the fans in the half away are there for their first the first time ever or mm, yeah. and, and their only time ever so they they don't join in, so you, you know, you, what you had was that focal point where it sort of radiated out from them. But yeah. sometimes they were joining in with the rest of the fans rather than vice yeah. versa. But yeah. Yeah. we do miss them, and I think it's to the club's credit that there is a debate going on with them rather yeah. than saying we don't really care, we can sell them to neutrals anyway. And it's quite clear, I imagine, that some of the HF are in there on their own. Or but you do miss it. It does. I say it does. Considering they've only been there since. 2011, 2012? Well, 2005, isn't it? Oh, of course. When they did... Was it not then. And I, I do. I still. I, it still seems odd not to see them in there. I, 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 I do miss the band. I do miss I do. the band. I, 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 I miss it. And I, I miss but, them. But you know, at the yeah. same time, let them get it sorted out. And in the meantime, we should 
We should get behind. I should do, say, do players, Gary, do players in your experience today respond to it? Do they? Does it psychologically? Does it help them? Does it? Crowds in general, if you don't want to talk uh, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, certainly. I mean, the interviews I've heard about players asked about their favourite stadiums. Um, you know, being an, standing on the cop Anfield when I was younger. Then I've. It was great to hear some big players, Henri, Thierry Henri, and that say that was an unbelievable yeah. stadium because of the atmosphere. Certainly from me coming and arriving at Sellers Park as an employee, you know, the stadium atmosphere is fantastic at Sellers Park. And that was certainly one of the things that I was surprised. That is the atmosphere is probably one of the best in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, unfortunately, but I was at Craven Cottage and... Um, you know, you're right. The away fans is slightly a different type mm. of support, and they're fanatic about the team. So it's a difficult one, but certainly, yeah, you know, the, the atmosphere in the stadium will help the players um, perform in some way. I should say, uh, both statements end by saying the HF say they're hopeful for a resolution to safeguard the massive strength of Palace's unique supporting culture before they're lost forever. And the club say, should the group choose not to return? We know the 23,000 of us who remain will do our level best to make the atmosphere still as vibrant as possible. I think they also said something about they remain open to ideas and sensible solutions. So I think, you know, both sides are kind of hopeful yeah. for a resolution. Yeah, but can I put one more tweet to both of you guys yeah. from Hal Apeno, oh, yeah. who says, in regard to the HF situation, what would the panel's yes or no answer be if you had a season ticket in Block E? Well, would I move? Yeah. Yes. It's a hard one. You know, because it's easy for us, I'm not, I don't sit in, in the homestead, so it's easy for me to say, oh, you know, what should people do? But it's hard if it's your seat, isn't it? I've never... <sighs> no, it is a good question, actually. Yeah, I've, to be, I've, I've had a season ticket for a long time, but never in the same... Hmm. I've been in the yard for wait for four seasons, yeah. now, which is the longest spell I've had in the same spot. Yeah. I, with an incentive, I probably would, but at the same time, because I, you know, the view behind the goal isn't that brilliant, ironically. <laughs> but I, I probably would, but I've, I wouldn't criticise anybody who wouldn't. Yeah, no, and I don't think they I should. Would, be. I, I mean, you're asking are, me personally. Personally, yeah. I would. Yeah, if it was, right. I can understand why somebody wouldn't. I yeah. think that the people, and also because one of the options is moving into the back of the halfway, and nobody should be moved into the halfway because <laughs> that the halfway should be being dealt with. You know. Yeah, maybe I would see. Yeah, I'd like to see Steve Parrish say, "All right, you can have, you can all come back." The HF for nothing but you have to have clackers like, <laughs> like Fulham and Huddersfield do <laughs> well I've heard so, suggestions yeah. like can we can they move into that corner below the between the Arthur and the Homestead below the TV gantry you know can they move well, that, well that's something like that well, off the, standing that, maybe for the, for the two home games you've had so far that's where the atmosphere has been starting from from that side of the yeah. the Arthur way the, the bit closest to the and maybe that's why my perception is that the atmosphere hasn't been as flat as everybody else says because that that's quite close to it's where close most, to, you, yeah. to where I am. So as far as I'm concerned, there is a lot of noise. So yeah. I can only be I can listen to people who uh, the White will say it's not. But from mm. where I am, there is a lot of noise. I, I thought you could hear Southampton fans all the way through on yeah. Saturday, which is annoying. And so that but then maybe the, where they case. are is so good for acoustics well, and stuff. All, yeah. A lot of away fans. It's funny. Um, uh, Travis uh, sits behind sat behind the, the HF for the last couple of seasons and you know after every home game for the last two seasons he said you can ne- never hear the away oh, fans okay. at all because wow. yeah, yeah. I was going back I know it's good after a game we meet up because oh man those 
fans or whoever, they were annoyed to tell you, he goes, no, they weren't. <laughs> he never, because, because the HF would just sing the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had no idea, literally didn't think that the away fans even sang. So the last couple of home games, go, God, it really annoys those fans from Southampton or Liverpool, aren't yeah. they? Well, well you, not, not especially, but you can hear them now because you're not getting it around you. So it's, That's crazy, where you sit actually on the yeah, ground really, totally, really defines yeah, that. Totally defines well, anyway, um, if there's any updates on that, obviously we'll let you know, but I'm sure all Palace fans are hoping that a resolution can be found. I'm like Kev, you know, not that we're sitting on a fence because we're on this. I really just want it to get sorted out. I love the HF being there, but I love Crystal Palace and I don't want people to move that don't want to move. I just hope yeah. you can get it sorted out. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, I suppose in a way it's a sign of success because seven or eight seasons ago there would have been a lot of space yeah. to move <laughs> yeah, into. Yeah. And in fact, it's very the, you know, the stadium, it's not a big stadium. And I'm sure these are things that will be considered when, with the new stand and with safe standing when it when it comes in, which we all, I think, well, I think I, I'm not sure. As a Liverpool fan, I'm not sure how you feel about safe standing, Gary. But from my point of view, I would uh, I think it's needs to come back simply from an economic point of view. Well, it has, so, and the, the Premier yeah. League have just was it this week with Premier League have the said FA that they said would just approve it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the FA said they wouldn't stand in the way of any uh, Premier League right. clubs. All football parties have agreed to it now. Yeah. So, as I mean, even as a Liverpool fan, I think we've moved a long way from. Yeah, the, the technology and yeah. terracing that was back in the eighties. So, as, as a Liverpool fan that knew people at Hillsborough, I would probably say I'd I would look to investigate it, and if clubs want to do it, I'd I'd agree with them. Let's move on. Because, hey. <laughs> do you want questions about? I mean, no, well, I'm guessing there will be one of them. There are. Let's take. We have had a question from Art Vandelay, 32. Hi, Ooh, Art. Hi, Art. I'm going to I think this is a question from Kevin because it says having turned the corner against Fulham huh. do we now, do we now <laughs> find ourselves facing another corner to negotiate we're on a roundabout I think we're on we? it, yeah. no we had uh, we alluded to it in the first the, the fact because we'd had a decent start to the season and because I think we all got a bit carried away when Gary Neville said we we're going to finish seventh yeah. Yeah. a little bit I think we all kind of went yeah we're going to finish seventh and it's like, oh. I think because we'd started decently even in defeat we we thought we had turned yeah we thought we had turned that's what was so frustrating well, it was about. a good start to the season wasn't it it was perfect what we, what we wanted yeah, yeah I think the other thing as well is that I kind of got upset on Saturday with the amount of people going well look at last season it's like I, I don't think we should be comparing ourselves to the worst ever start to a season we've ever <laughs> by had by any team yeah. in the top five I don't think we should be going well by comparison <laughs> yeah because I know West Ham fans are already starting to yeah to panic but and, and yes we have we got I think that's the frustrating thing is that we generally thought this might be the season where we kicked I think it's, it's still I think it still will be the season we kick on it's just that that's why that, it just came it was so out of the blue that performance on Saturday that none of us yeah. it was so unexpected that, that well it was unexpected given how we have been well, yes, in so the last what, 18 yeah. months or so yeah. a year yeah. under Roy being so yeah. good but having said that yeah, oh, sorry basically turning a corner is a bit of a thing on the pilot everyone yeah, asks about everybody yeah. um, but <laughs> all these corners that we've had in the last what 18 months two years we have always turned them. History suggests that actually we yeah. do end up okay, don't they? We've been asked that a lot on this podcast. It's always turned out all right. All the corners we had on Saturday were shocking. <laughs> if we'd had a couple of corners that turned, <laughs> if we'd had a couple of corners that turned a corner. I think one of them went out for a throw-in. Well, like, speaking of which, then we've got to stop. We need to take a bit of time. We've got. Not, I understand, and Gary, as a coach, will understand this. I understand that you, the, the idea of quick corners is that it stops the defence setting themselves up. But every now and again, just wait a little bit and get your big men up and just whack a corner on the penalty spot and see what happens. Everyone's trying to be... And it's not just us. The whole Premier League are trying to be so clever with corners. Oh, 
can't tell you how much I I've hate never, short ever. corners. Stop, Gary, as a coach, <laughs> as a top quality coach, get it sorted out. <laughs> short, short, it's not hockey. Short, it's ball, Gary, short corners on. don't work, do they? Come on, short corner. I've, I've never, even from kids' level, I've never thought short What's corners. What's the logic behind them? I mean, they're trying to commit a few players to come out, to of, the get out of the box. Because the boxes are very crowded now and nearly every player's in there now, isn't it? So. I'm sure that's that's one of the reasons. But are you an advocate of short corners? Ah, variety. It's all about variety. No. Don't be predictable. If, if, well, when you're coaching defenders, how far do you go with telling them how to how physical they can be? Because this season, it seems that during the World Cup, I thought there was going to be a lot of penalties at the start of the Premier League. But this season, it seems that referees are satisfying themselves with having a chat with people who are grappling, and then when the ball actually comes in, they're just ignoring it completely it seems yes it looks like the World Cup hasn't really affected it does it yeah so that's referees in this country I'm sure maybe we'll see one or two given next few weeks and that debate might be raise its head but yeah I haven't seen anything this season but when you're you're coaching defenders do you concentrate on the physical side are you telling them to be side on or do you say put your arms around and get up close to them I think well the classic example it wasn't the corner but the Sacco penalty against Liverpool when he was very tight and his arms were but you think that's defending so what what are you telling a defender to do in that situation yeah the game's changed now I mean um, back in the day when I did my courses and Donau I remember on my A licence at Lillishaw Donau was teaching how to defend the corners and he was saying exactly that you know put your arm across block the run um, I think we had Peter Wirth on the course and Robin Russell at the FA's going, Don, that's a foul. You can't be teaching these <laughs> coaches uh, that sort of uh, play because it's against the rules. But Don said it's reality and this uh, is what yeah. goes on. Yeah. It looks like we've gone back to those days, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, but it's up to referees. I just think referees need to be strong and, and do what they did in the World Cup. Um, you know, and But they, DC, were, they, they were held to the World Cup, weren't they? Well, yeah. Do you yeah, think, well, do you think they would do? I mean, let's not start VAR because you know my views on VAR. But but do you think they were making those decisions in the World Cup because they knew that it would go to VAR and if they were wrong, it would be overturned? Or I think so. Yeah, because right. certainly the first England game, we didn't get any decisions, did we? Yeah, and right. then all of a sudden, I think someone's had a quiet word with oh, someone yeah. and said, yeah, "Right, yeah. you need to look at that." Yeah, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. we get two penalties. Yeah. So. Speaking of penalties then, on Saturday Palace had three penalty shouts, all with Benteke, a sort of a fall, a budge and a handball. <laughs> I think they're all soft from a, personally, from a personal point of view. But we have had, Kevin, a lot of questions on Benteke this week. It's another game where he's not scored, missed a big chance later on with that header. Quentin Soldan hi, Quentin. Ooh, hi, Quentin. says, regardless of wages and contact, just how bad does a striker on a bad run have to be before being dropped? I um, even last week with John Curran, John even when John when Ben Teku scored seventeen goals, John wasn't a fan. <laughs> but even last week, I was still defending Ben Teku and saying, "Well, look, you know, goals were scored when he was in the team." Mm-hmm. Roy's obviously a fan of his for a reason, but I that the the, the one when Serlot headed it back, yeah. and it just there was no. Part of it, you see the goal that Cardiff scored yesterday. I mean, it's Ward, header from the edge of the box. Mm. See the way Murray played again for Brighton. 
there was no part of me that thought he was going to score that. Even in that split second where it's in the air, he just yeah. go and he he didn't even. It looked like he didn't reach it properly. The confidence is clearly gone. He needs to be taken. I can't defend him. He needs to be taken out of the firing line for his own. And then, of course, what happens is after the game, all those stupid rumours. Well, it must be his contract. He obviously his, his contract says it, which is nonsense. Nah, but, but I thought Alan Smith. I I don't get the standard. Even it's free, and I still won't buy it. But on Fridays, I do occasionally get it. But Alan Smith did a really interesting analysis. Former Palace former, manager. No, no, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal former striker, Arsenal striker. Okay. Uh, no, former Palace manager would do. If it was about Blazers, it would be very interesting. <laughs> but, but, but Alan Smith, the former Arsenal striker, he he did a really. He, he talked about the. He previewed the Palace Southampton game and talked about the Watford game and said, basically, Palace would have won that game if Penteke hadn't been playing because he said oh, wow. he talked about Palace's quick movement in midfield, the, the the way they get the ball forward quickly with the fullbacks. He said, but it just stops when it gets to Benteke. Everything just stops completely. He's not mobile enough. He's not fast enough. And I read that. I thought that's a little bit unfair because we're not playing to his strengths. But I I, I couldn't defend him after Saturday. And the strange thing as well is you kind of go well it's all very well so we'll put Ayu in instead of him and put Serlot instead of him but sometimes it's the, it's the system that doesn't work it's not replacing light for light's neither here nor there we're saying well Serlot's more mobile Serlot's better in the air it doesn't really care if we're not if we're not getting crosses in if we're not playing that sort of football then it doesn't really matter who's here so why not instead of changing the players change the system slightly and mm-hmm. you know try Ayu without Ben I don't know it's he just needs to be taken. He needs to be put in the under twenty. He needs to score a hat trick for the under twenty threes. He needs to do. He needs to be taken out there for his own. Because I think it's lucky that happened at the end. That miss happened at the end of the game. Because I think for the first time, and it's Palace fans have been so patient. I think if that had been halfway through the second half, that would have been Palace fans would have snapped. They would have had enough. And I, they have been very very good. They've been astonishingly Unbelievable. I think the Palace yeah. fans have been incredible with Benteke. Yeah. I mean, even even when he went off, there would be people clapping yeah. him and we all wanted to score. So well, we so well. We all wanted to do well. It's just, but it's, I, I'm like Kev. I'm sort of I've defended him and defended him and defended him. And I'm I'm running out of I'm just running out of patience. I'm just I just want him to. I just think another thing is is a lack of mobility as well yeah. with him. He's, and he's he's for a big lad, and I think he looks a lot a lot thinner this season as well. He looks a lot, you know, in terms of the way he looks. But he just he hasn't got that mobility that you need with, especially you know what Kev's talking about the the way we we move the ball around so quickly these days. He just doesn't seem to have that that intense. It just, I don't know, just seems to just lack something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Okay. But he's, he's obviously a good player. Yeah, it's yeah. just just not happening. But we said that, I said that all the way through last season, he's a good player having a bad season. I, I don't want to be saying that in February still. No, but exactly. I mean, Gary, how do you deal with a player? I mean, at whatever level, if you know you've got a player who's who's good, but he's, the confidence is gone, do you keep playing him? Do you, as well, a coach? It's a difficult one for me because, I mean, I've, I've not coached at that level uh, professionally with dealing with players every day. So... Um, you know, I wouldn't like to comment at youth development level in the academy. I mean, we, we would um, look at playing in different positions. It's a totally different sort of setup, yeah. developing players to dealing at the top end and the pro level um, where it's people's living. So yeah. I wouldn't want to really comment how you, how you deal with that because I've got no experience. Is it a confidence in that? thing as well, though? In, well, can, can players at that level, you know, 28 million pound strikers still suffer oh, from, from yeah. breakdowns of confidence? Well, they're human beings, so of course. I'm sure... You know, if you look at the stats, uh, Christian Benteke, apart from last season, 
has hit double figures every yeah. season he's played. Yeah, yeah. I think he hit nine one season. Yeah. But you know, so there's he has got success over the years in the Premier League, and he's probably thinking himself, you know, how can I put it right? Yeah. So, but do you remember Southampton two seasons ago when I think Foster was in goal and mucked up the kick, and he went. Benteke he went straight to Benteke yes, three yards yeah, out yeah. that's what it needs to happen yeah. and yeah. two seasons <laughs> yeah. ago when he was confident and full of goals yeah. that sort of thing happened he needs that but he must walk onto the pitch thinking I've got to score in the first yeah. five minutes Pressure's I've got to score yeah. and then the players are trying to set him up And because I think even with you know Surlot under, under other circumstances he might have tried to score himself there but he did yeah. the brilliantly did the right thing and, and yeah. headed it back across the goal and well can I offer you yeah. a suggestion then because Enders are talking about players with movement up front and speed and whatever Freddie Coleman hi Freddie says why don't we go back to what worked last season play Zaha and Townsend up front <laughs> I mean it did work last, it was forced upon Roy but it, it, it did was, work it was forced that was our yeah. most successful 4-4-2 was with those two up front it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we were more successful the last six games playing 4-3-3 yeah Really. I'm saying if Roy's sticking to four four two, yeah, yeah, and it was a successful. I think it was interesting what Gary said earlier that maybe four four two will come back because these things are cyclical. Maybe maybe it'll be Roy that you know everyone follows Roy. It back. I just think it's not necessarily the four four two. It's just having two strike and yeah, bless the, one of the lads we sit with uh, in the half away season ticket holder trying to defend Benteke, and I thought it was very sweet. And he's saying, well, it's, you know, he hasn't played up in the four four two with Ayu. And they're both going for the same ball, and it's like you can't blame Benteke. It's like, well, fair enough. You, that, but that is an argument, mm-hmm. and they are similar, similar players. I mean, it looked like Ayu's touch is slightly better, mm. and I think most people thought that Benteke would go off instead of Ayu. But yeah, but it, I mean, the thing is, that Roy obviously is, you have to come back to the fact that Roy knows more about football than we do. Well, exactly. You yeah. Know, when Pardew was manager, not necessarily <laughs> the case, but but you do have to come back to the fact that Roy knows more about football than we do, and and Roy constantly you know defends him afterwards and praises him afterwards and the players clearly love him and clearly it's working for him in training and they respect just, him they do but you know you do think I mean the, the Southampton centre back was bigger than Van Dyke, so it's like you oh, kind of massive, think, you, kind of, you do yeah. kind of there are times in the first half where you think what's he supposed to do with that yeah. Like Luca, especially resorted to default situation quite three or four times in the thir- in his first half, just lumping it towards Benteke. Mm. Well, what even if he wins it, what's he supposed to do with it? Yeah. Because the, the the other forwards are nowhere near him. Yeah, so Luka there is still part to, of me that wants to, there is still part of me that wants to defend Benteke, but he just needs something to happen. It's, Luca did have an off game on Saturday. He's had an off season. Oh, we have yeah, had a couple of questions actually. But just, can we just go back to the Benteke thing? Is it, yeah. There are sometimes that you know you get you know we have to we have to play to that system and get him to play but there's sometimes you know sometimes players themselves have just got to bring themselves out of it and they've got to mm. prove it you know they've got to do it they, he's got to go and they go right I'm going to do it today get yourself more involved get him sh- I mean but maybe it's not in his personality I don't know but the times you've got to you've got to do it yourself it's your job on the line yeah, but having said that the Fulham game I thought he did yeah, the, the header that hit the bar yeah. he had no right to even get to that his head to it let alone twist and get he you know, I'll keep saying this he, he supplied the crossfield ball to Wan-Bissaka to, he was putting himself about he was yeah, the, that fact is not every centre forward is Costa not every forward is no, of course, centre of course. forward is Lukaku I, I appreciate but that but I think he had you know, the Man City game last year the first half he, he every inch played the grass he, and he was shutting down and said that's what he needs to do but yeah. I think this season I thought we had a good game again. Our first half against Watford, I thought he was great. Yeah, but Liverpool thought he'd but the thing is he won't get any credit until he scores, he scores goals. goals. And as John yeah. Curran says, essentially, for the most part, you, in the end, you can only 
judge a strike on the amount of goals he scores. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly on Luca then. Uh, Lucas Pivetto 17 Hi, Luke. Hi, says, do you think Luca is, isn't playing well because he needs Kabaya next to him? Whereas PC Wires, Hello, PC. I don't know if he's a police or not, says, um, has, has Luca's falling out with the Serbian national coach affected his performance? I'm not, don't know too much about that, but something's off. Ended, something's off with Luca and has been all season. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, you know, I can't. The, Ka- the Kabaya thing is interesting. Mm, I don't know. Yes, it is interesting. Now, I, you know, I think maybe. I, I, there, was, there, was, there was a few moments on Saturday in the first half when some of the passing from Luke was just like, what is going on? I mean, yeah. like really off. I mean, not, 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 just, not just a little bit, just like really bad passing. Just like, it doesn't seem to have that, what he had last season where he's like, he was a warrior. He's yeah, a yeah. warrior. He was out there. He was getting involved. And he's still getting involved. He's still there. I don't know what it is. I don't know. You know if, if I knew, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here. I'd be coaching. <laughs> I, I think there are certain... Gary will, uh, will know more about this than I do. I think centre-back pairings are important. I think strikers are important. I think midfield players should be able to play well without whoever they're playing in the midfield. Way. I think mm. midfield players need to be the adaptable ones because sometimes they're, they're in a two or a three yeah, or a exactly. diamond or whatever. The fact is he's not he's simply not playing well and if it's because he's pining for goodbye then that's a sign of mental weakness in the same way that mm. not being able to win without Zahari's and if yeah, at, again, it comes back to that. You've got an option. If Luca's not playing well, you've got Kayati as an option. Mm. The one midfield player who's been outstanding this season is MacArthur, the one that we didn't think would be. Would even play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is the one you'd think, well, you know, if Zaha's out, I mean, he can play left side, left side. But mm. there is something wrong with Luca. Luca's defensive work wasn't right against Watford. His short passing was poor. And it was again on, mm. on Saturday. And I think it comes back to something, Gary. I think Roy Hodgson's one of those managers who wants to let players rectify their own mistakes. He wants to give them time. And I think he Roy seems to be the sort of manager or coach who trusts players to know that they're not playing well and won't do the sort of thing that Marino does, right, three substitutions at the yeah. same time. Yeah. But yeah, you'd like to think that somebody like Lucas I don't I don't really know the ins and outs of the Serbian. I know he's fallen out no, of the coach, but know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But it, it's he's not playing well. This time last season, we didn't have an option to replace him. Now we have, so I'm going to be really interested to see what the team had for the Huddersfield yeah. games. I suspect it won't be that much different. I don't think it'll be that much different. I think if I Wilf, wish, hopefully, with Wilf, yeah. I, think if, I think if Wilf's not fit, he might well start with the same 11. Yeah, yeah. well, look, let's let's round off part two on some, some positivity. Um, Gary's job, he yeah, does, <laughs> he, he does the lifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Gary, Gary, there have been a couple of people, Gareth Davies. And Mr. Cadbury's parrot. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, no, you won't get that reference. The three of us get that reference. Is that a reference to something? Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah look I'll Google that later. Google, yeah, yeah. Gareth Davies says, is it really as bad as something? We were unlucky against Watford. Poor refereeing. Saturday, poor first half. It did everything but score in the second. Subs are the only issue for me. Whereas Mr. Cadbury's parrot, which I will Google later, says, Watford are clearly a decent side. Liverpool too. One bad game versus Southampton. It's not the cause of panic, do you think? There are there are positive signs, surely. Oh, definitely. There? Well, you, uh, you're right. Look, Watford beating Tottenham yeah. yesterday. Well, Liverpool, thought. you know, from a biased point of view, have looked. We, you know, Liverpool have won ugly. I'd say this season looks solid. We would have lost at Leicester last season, so um, I think Liverpool do look strong with the, with the Van Dijk signing. Who, you know, even against Palace, Van Dijk won everything in the air. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how good Christian Benteke is, Van Dijk was absolutely awesome. 
Um, yeah. And he's been proven, I'd hate to say, it, a snip at 75 million <laughs> quid. <laughs> Go, um, Gomez looks good for Liverpool as well. Good South yeah, London boy, doesn't yeah. he? He looks like a really... Gomez played with your... Yeah, he, he went to school in Forest Hill. Yeah. He was in the same class as Travis, my son, oh, who's been on the pod many times. And he yeah. was he was at Charlton from a very young age, but not. It just shows nine. you don't have to pay seventy five million quid to. Correct. Congratulations to Alan Wan Bissaka, by the way, for his England uh, call up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe was playing for Charlton under 18s when he was like fourteen. You yeah. know, I mean, he was. But you know what? A really lovely lad. He used to come around our house all the time. Very smart lad. Very clever. Worked really hard. Really yeah. good work ethic, and he's just. Total dedication, and you know, and it's proved. But he's, he was always a good player. I remember Trav saying that once that, like, whenever everyone else was going out, he was yeah. going to yeah. bed and getting up early exactly. for training yeah. and committing exactly. himself. And, and, and he's he paid off. And, and he's paid off. Travis is he's a professional now, footballer. Now. That, that's why you got someone like Joe's playing in Liverpool and and who's also been in the England squad, and Travis yeah. isn't. But that's fine. That's not me. He's got a job at Box Park. That's all right. He's not. He's not Box Park anymore. He's gone from there. I think those last two tweets things. are. I think those last two tweets are fair enough. It, yeah. it pains me to say that Watford. We've lost two games oh, no, to. It's so annoying, isn't it? We've lost two games to two of the top three, and yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, they, how Watford beat Tottenham yesterday is beyond me. But you kind of think that's the sort of thing we've had in the past. But and that's the sort of thing that we will do this season. Yeah, it is. You know, we, it's will just that, we will. It's we'll just do that, that one performance was so, so out of nowhere. Just. Mm. But again, like we said earlier, yeah. Roy came out and said that was a poor performance. Yeah, if yeah, we had a manager yeah. coming out and saying, oh, he did well yeah, with yeah, it, you'd enough, be like, yeah. mm. but he's come out yeah. and said it wasn't good enough. And that makes me believe that... The, yeah, no, I don't think I've got no... Improve. I'm just glad they didn't come out and say, I need some respect. <laughs> I need some respect for you. I've been three. in this game three. for three, 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 three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. At least he didn't do that. Okay, all right. Speaking of three, we're going to move on to part three. Oh, he's good. He's good. this break, we'll be previewing the trip to Huddersfield after the international break. After this short break. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 264, sponsored by Vector Printing. For all your printing volume needs, go to vector.co.uk. Vector with Okay. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh! oh. Got more scouts oh. as the post gone on. <laughs> That was excellent. Um, now, we have had a question from Skifo, who says, when are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? Since Patron came in, we've lost every game. Well, I think the Patron being you charging for the podcast extra. The pod extra, yeah. Yeah, free the pod. Uh, you know my views. <laughs> you know my views on this. <laughs> you char- how much do you charge for it? So, it's £2.35 a month. Yeah. Well, it's done in dollars. It's an American website. Three dollars. What? That's, that's it's two dollars? It's an American website. But that's that £2.35 a month currently £2.33 considering the way the, the pound is going so it might be even cheaper oh, well, um, well. and for that you get every FYP extra podcast from every Palace game this season that includes Swansea away on a Tuesday night which is well. fun West Brom away on a Tuesday night that'd well. be fun as well did you have any away fans on this one uh, we've had them on every, well, nearly every pod not, not Swansea but we're gonna, well, that, that's one of the features anyway we've had a lot of support so far from people uh, so thank you very much if you'd like to subscribe to the pod extra you can do so at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and we really appreciate all the support we've had from everyone who has signed up so far how many games do we go with us losing before you give it up as a bad job and go it's your fault well the thing is do you remember when we changed the theme tune a couple yeah, of years do. ago and oh, we went on we, a, we went remember. Yeah. we went on a long run without winning and people thought yeah. it was the theme tune well we stopped with that 
And things turned around. Well, there you go. Turned a corner. Yeah, turned a corner. Anyway, should we talk about Huddersfield? Yes. <laughs> okay. Palace travel, travel to Huddersfield after the international break, uh, which is unfortunately because of the last two results, become a bit of a big game already, <laughs> five games into so the season. Fun. A lot of questions from our listeners uh, surrounding the lineup and particular some of the personnel. So, CPFC Barbarian says Kayate and Maya should start. Doesn't even ask us. Should if, start. Which but, they should if they're fit. If they're fit. But in place of who? James Endicott. Uh. <laughs> <This is the laughs> thing, because we do have options now. So, and particularly in, in midfield. So actually, who comes up? I mean, we've talked about Luca on the spot. He is club captain, but... Yeah, yeah. but I'd, I'd like to see Luca and Max Meyer play together because I think that could work well. Because I think it's interesting, you know, the questions in the pod before about um, Luca missing Kabai. Maybe Max can be his new Kabai. I think that's something that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't drop Luca just yet. I wouldn't because um, even though he hasn't played well all season, I think it was particularly bad on Saturday. But then ev- everybody had a bad game on Saturday. You yeah. know, I don't think we could, apart from maybe McArthur, um, well, McArthur as well. But who would you drop? I don't know. Well, you said Schlapp earlier. I mean, Schlapp, Schlapp I think it's an obvious one, isn't it? Really? He won't make Roy, position, really. So. Roy won't make two changes. I'd, I'd be surprised if he makes one. To be fair, but I mean, the obvious one for me would be Maya for. For Schlupp, and it's not mm. a criticism of Schlupp, as we keep saying. I think he's a really good replacement left back. He's a really good left wing back. He's a really good replacement mm. left winger. But Meyer is especially. Uh, it, I, it might be that, as Gary said, it might be that working in training that Roy doesn't know yeah. where Meyer's best position is, whether it is because, as we said at Schalke, he was playing the sort of Kabai defensive midfield role. Yeah. It might be that Roy doesn't want him to, to play the left sided. I never said Roy doesn't know what position Max. No, 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 so, no. You didn't. It, you said that it, working with the players in yeah. training, he might be getting used to where they're yeah. best fit. Or it could be a fitness thing because as yeah. we know, Maya yeah. didn't train. Yeah, so I didn't mean something. to put words in your mouth, but uh, obviously that will be the quote on tomorrow's <laughs> yeah. Club Insider says Roy Hodgson doesn't know what he's doing. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's the one of the things we do know. It, it right might be that he's taking time to work out whether what his best position is. Although he looked very comfortable on that left sided. Yeah, looked great. I mean, that would be the obvious. Mm-hmm. change for me I, I I agree with Enders I think Luca was such a good player last season yeah. you, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt but it's just like it's nice to know that we've got a replacement Definitely. if there is a problem well but this I, is something we said about last season when we had that horrendous injury crisis that, that you know and you were saying Roy saying what subs should I make they literally weren't options at least yeah. now we're in a position where we're talking about these midfield yeah, options yeah. We, we have the choices to make and when you're going through rough patches enders and things aren't mm. working out you, you you do need to have those options to try and think do, things, and whether it's before the game or during games and I, th- I think we've got options defensively we've got options midfield wise I'm just worried about our options up front that's mm. where I really worry about it because I, I don't think we've got many options after Benteke I'm not so yeah, long, I mean, I mean Solot scored obviously last week I, I st- he didn't impress me at, he's, he's, he's not really impressed me at all since he's been here to be honest he doesn't he looks a little bit out of his depth to me well, I well, thought I fair, thought he's he only did, played He's, he's been he's on he's yeah. played a little bit yeah, yeah. enough well he's, he's he's played as much as Max Meyer's played yeah. and we're all waxing lyrical about Max Meyer yeah, so yeah. you know come on we could do it the other side as well I just that that's I, you know that's my concern is, is up front we, you, everything else I think we can we, it can get worked out and Roy will work it out the problem is he's like Where's he going to go from that? You know, not I'm not counting Wilf and, and Andros. I'm counting yeah. in the middle up front, and that's where I worry. It's a strange thing, though, Gary. With it's like Martin Kelly, one of your own, 
But Martin Kelly at centre back is it looks a quality centre back. But you'd still rather have Tompkins in. But you can't quite put your finger on why you'd rather have Tompkins and Kelly. It's just the experience shows you that Kelly and uh, Tompkins and Tompkins Sacco and Sacco have got together. a very good record together. They've yeah. only lost one game together, I believe, in fifteen appearances yeah, that, together that, or something. That was the start. So I think you spoke earlier about partnerships. Oh, yeah, that's a key one to centre off. Mm. I think so, and I think we've we've it's been a bit all over the place, hasn't it, recently? For whatever reason, Sacco again. On, well, he got his massive error out of the way thirty seconds in on less than thirty seconds. <laughs> but I've never seen a player. He gets away with it. I've never seen a player telegraph his passes more than Sacco. He literally points his shoulder yeah. in the direction the ball's going to go, and he, he gets away. He was threading some. Actually, sometimes some, points some his hand. So yeah, but he was threading some beautiful balls for it. But he just your heart just still goes in your mouth. He gets. I I I. It just. I worry so much whenever he gets the ball. I I, I, I I never feel that comfortable. I never feel that comfortable. Yet, you look at the stats, as Gary says, the stats prove that he's uh, doing all right and, and he's good at getting the ball back and blocking the ball. Well, he's also got that thing He's also got that thing wan has got when four or five times in the game on Saturday you think wan has beaten and suddenly snakes out a foot mm. from nowhere. Yeah. The wrong foot sometimes. Mm. And there was twice in about five minutes where not only did he he, he win the tackle, but he won the goal kick as well because <laughs> it came back off the. That's I mean that's you sometimes wonder, Gary, whether he actually knows what he's whether, well, he's, I think whether heard, he's thinking that for himself or whether it's just instinct. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I think you've heard pundits talk about he can sniff out danger. Yeah. I think he understands when yeah. danger's about. Yeah. He sticks his body on the line. I mean, some of his blocks. I think I saw one. Might have been against Liverpool where he went to stick his face yeah. Yeah. in the way yeah. of, of the shot. So he is he is very brave, which is a great asset to have yeah. as a defender. But he seems not to be thinking about what he's... Whereas with Saka, you can almost see the thought balloon in his head going, right, I'm going to put my shoulder this way, curl it that way. With with Wan-Bissaka, it's like he just, it just happens. It just... Well, Alan, I'll, I'll, Alan's a very there, good right? young player, so yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, he deserves his chance in England. Set absolutely, up, definitely. absolutely. Yeah, have very you been surprised impressed. by just how quickly he's taken? I mean, what, the weekend went to what eleventh or twelfth game? Yeah, it's all, yeah, 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 top yeah, flight yeah, first yeah, team yeah. footballer. Incredible. I mean, we haven't seen many players come through at Palace who have really settled that quickly. It's incredible, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and as young players, you know, you, you talk about. I mentioned earlier as a young player with Christian Benteke if that was a centre forward you you may think oh well, if he's 14 you play him in a different position so you can do that and it looks like you know I think Kevin Keane's the one that may have said because he was a right winger wasn't he yeah. Aaron was the one that said well why don't you try right back and he seems to have slotted into that yeah. I think speaking to Keith Millen today you know um, you'd probably just work on the finer details of being a good defensive right back now just to make him mm. get to that real top, top level. But yeah, He's uh, got all the attributes yeah. to do that. Yeah, he looks a great prospect. Well, look, that's a very positive part to end the pod on. There are, there are good prospects on the team and there are good prospects are. for Palace this yeah, season. Yeah, you know, course, we're only yeah. four games in. So hopefully after Huddersfield, we'll be back with you talking about a victory and getting back on track and turning that corner and all that jazz. The pod extra, we were with you directly after the Huddersfield... Three dollar! Hey, just got three dollar! Three dollar! Yeah. You should be with me. No, I should and also hopefully me. by the next pod, we'll be, talk- we'll be thanking the extra hundred people that have signed up for the... 
and yes, those absolutely well. and people that maybe donate to us yeah, as well which would be yeah, very yeah. much appreciated yeah. so the pod extra will be with you after Huddersfield you can get that at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast for just £2.35 slash $3 a month and if you'd like to sponsor us for the walk for the marathon march we would really appreciate it it's justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP podcast Gary thank you very much for coming on the pod it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you very much well, maybe you. see you on again at some point yeah, 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 no problem. Top man. And guys, obviously, lovely to have you on the pod. Thank you. As ever. Thank you for asking yeah, yeah. us. See you on the pod extra, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe one day you'll be on the pod extra. Yeah, guys, when, it, when it's free again, yeah. <laughs> so maybe not. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be with you again very shortly. Enjoy the international break, and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. Bye. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business dot com. Sports Social Podcast Network.